turn into your Bibles in the book of Luke, chapter number six. I spoke last Sunday and told this church that we will be uh, continuing a series in Luke, chapter number six. Um, you do not have to stand for this. You can please, you can be, you can be seated. Um, and we're going to continue in Luke chapter number six. I, I, we started last week in Luke chapter number six, starting at verse number one. I believe we stopped at verse number 11. So today we're going to start at verse number 12. We had a beautiful wedding here yesterday, uh, for Mr. and Mrs. Bryant. And, uh, I thank the Lord for that. And I believe some of their family members are here. I see, I see mother back there. So it's so good, uh, to see you back there. Uh, and I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, so, um, Luke chapter number six, verse number 12 is where we will begin today. And then we will go as far as we can. And then once we come to a stop, we'll pick back up on where we left off, uh, next Sunday. So last week we talked a little bit about the Sabbath uh, because those first couple scriptures deal with the Sabbath day and how Jesus said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And we learned last week uh, that it doesn't matter what day it is, that we can not only enjoy Jesus Christ, serve Jesus Christ, uh, but we can also do the things of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter what day it is of the week, we don't have to honor the Sabbath anymore. Uh, and the scriptures there in Luke chapter number six, starting at verse number one, all the way through 11, really open that up. It elaborates that. So don't get caught up in the teachings that you must honor the Sabbath and that you and I coming to church on a Sunday is irrelevant or wrong because it should be on a Saturday. That is not scripture. And the Bible points that out very clearly. Matter of fact, we even dove into the commandments and how many people say you should keep the commandments. But in the book of Matthew, chapter number 19 it tells us what commandments the new testament church is supposed to keep for eternal life so jesus gives us six commandments in matthew chapter number 19 if you ever want to take the time to read those it does not list all 10 but it gives us six commandments that we are to follow and the Sabbath day is not one of those six so those are the things that we learned last week and we're going to pick up a little bit here in Luke chapter number six, starting at verse number 12. The Bible says, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, speaking of Jesus, and continued all night in prayer to God. Now, I teach in this church that Jesus is God, meaning that Jesus was manifested in the flesh, that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. And so the Bible supports my belief and it supports this belief. And that belief is, is that there is only one God. And so Jesus and God are not two separate beings in the Godhead. There's not God and then Jesus and then the Holy Ghost. No, it's just one God. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And so the Bible supports this belief. So I teach that Jesus is God. God is a spirit. He has no flesh. He has no bone. You cannot see God. All right. So God had to make a 
body and get in that body for people to be able to have a representation of what God is. So when Jesus was here on earth, he was the representation of God. So that's why I teach that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh in a bodily form. The Bible even speaks about his flesh being a a veil, if you will. But I want to talk a little bit more before I dive into that in the book of John chapter number 12. Now, I want you all to stay in Luke chapter 6 unless you can flip through the scriptures pretty quickly. But in John chapter number 12, starting at verse 44, the Bible says, Jesus cried and said, he that believes on me believes not on me, but on him that sent me. And when you see me, you see him that sent me. Because Jesus was the representation of God Almighty. The Bible even talks about the flesh, the outwards appearance of Jesus Christ simply being a veil or a covering. That's all it was. What Jesus was, was just a veil or a covering of God while he was here on earth. The Bible says it in Hebrews chapter number 10 starting at verse number 19 the Bible says having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through listen the veil that is to say his flesh so he's referring to the flesh the outward appearance of Jesus Christ as just a veil or a covering so simply put, God made a body. He had a veil for himself. Then he stepped into that body and then that body became the minister or it operated here on earth. It became God's minister. So he created a body. God stepped into that body and then that body became how he ministered or how he operated here on on earth. So now we can understand why it says in verse number 12 that Jesus was praying for direction. He needed direction from the spirit. Why? Because he was about to choose his 12 disciples. So the scripture says in Luke chapter 6 verse number 13, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles so this is where we get apostolic so apostolic is the verb if you will is the action of apostles so apostles were followers of Jesus Christ they were the disciples the apostles were followers of Jesus Christ and they preached his word so that's why we call ourselves apostolic that's why I call myself apostolic because I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ and so this is important because many people say that I only obey what is in red in the Bible. I wish we had a screen to where when we put Jesus's words up there, it showed in red. We can work on that uh, later. But if you have your Bible, you will see that many people will see the black and the red letters because the red represents when Jesus was talking. And there are many people that say, I only obey what's in the red because that's what Jesus said. And if Jesus didn't say it, it doesn't 
didn't matter what anybody else said. So they will then further say that I only listen to Jesus. It doesn't matter what the apostles say. So if the apostles gave instructions or direction, they say, I won't listen to that because it didn't come out of a Jesus's mouth. Well, let's see what the Bible says about that. Luke uh, uh, chapter number 10. Verse number one, the Bible says, after these things, the Lord appointed, someone say the Lord appointed, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. So Jesus was going to come to these places, but first he sent the 70 two by two into these places. And then if we drop down to verse number 16, I wish you can see it. If you have your Bibles, you can because this is in red letters. Verse number 16 is in red letters. So Jesus is speaking here. And he says, after he sent those 70 messengers out, he says, he that hears you, they hear me. And if they despise you, then they despise me. So Jesus is giving us a clear example that his disciples that he sent out, when they hear you talk, that's like me talking. And if they don't want to listen to you, then they sure don't want to listen to me. Because all I'm going to do is come back around and reiterate what you already told them to do. So then that discounts people that try to say, I only listen to Jesus, but I will not listen to the apostles no honey you got to read what's in the red and what's in the black you got to read the whole thing from genesis to revelations mm -hmm. because he that heareth you hears me and he that despises you they despise me and then what's interesting is if you drop down follow me to verse number 17 it says and the 70 returned again with joy saying lord even the devils are subject unto us through your name isn't it amazing how some people don't want to listen to them but the devils will listen to them why because they came in the power and the authority of jesus christ and see that's why I can't get frustrated when people don't want to listen to the teachings and people don't want to adhere to the word of God because I know I've got to attack the devil it's the devil it's the enemy that's trying to halt people or stop people from listening to the word of God so that's why the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities powers spiritual wickedness in high places rulers of darkness that's what we fight up against. So the Bible says, listen to this now, verse number 18. And he said unto them, listen, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. So when you come back, they're excited. How many of you would be excited if you went somewhere and there was a devil acting up and you said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And that devil just left. Come on, would you? Would, would you? Some of y'all ain't being truthful. Y'all ain't raising y'all hand. Or maybe you are being truthful saying, I ain't messing with that. <laughs> I, I'm going to pick up the phone and call you, Pastor. <laughs> you can come over here and help me out with that. The 70 came back rejoicing, saying, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. Jesus said, ah, that's nothing. That's nothing. I beheld, I beheld Satan. He felt like lightning. We kicked him out of heaven so fast. He tried to act up and try to be me. He wanted to be me. That's what he thought he could do. 
and I created him. Now, how you think you gonna be me when I created you? I wish my child wouldn't would come in here and start acting foolish. Get your little behind, sit down somewhere. Anybody parents ever you was raised on because I said so? Oh, come on now. I hope I'm talking to a good church here. My, my mother and father, because I said so, I get so mad at that answer. I couldn't do nothing about it. Satan couldn't do nothing because God said so. He said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. Verse number 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, don't rejoice because you can kick out the devil. That's an expectation. That's nothing. He has no power over you through the name of Jesus. So don't get excited about that, but get excited because your name is written in heaven. Hallelujah. That's verse number 20. Put verse number 20 up there. It says, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. So let's go back to the book of Luke chapter number six, picking up at verse number 14. Verse number 14, the Bible says, and I think I read verse number 13. Yes, verse number, I'm going to just reiterate that. And, and, and it and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And this is when he's choosing his 12 disciples. And verse number 14 picks up on these disciples. Simon, whom he also named Peter. And Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James and Simon, who they called Zelotes. And Judas, some people don't soon to forget this, but there's two Judases. There's Judas, the brother of James, and then Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Now, I don't want to go through each one of these disciples, but I do want to highlight at least two of them. I want to highlight at least two of these 12 original disciples that Jesus has chosen. One being Simon. Simon, who we know as Peter, because Jesus gave him a name change. And when he changed his name, it altered his destiny. What's interesting is, is that we ought to go see why Jesus changed his name and when he changed his name. So in the book of Matthew chapter number 16, starting at verse number 13, the Bible says when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? What are they calling me? The Bible says in verse number 14, well, some calling you John the Baptist, some saying you're Elias, some saying you're Jeremiah, some just say you're one of the prophets. Well, now I hear what they're saying, but what do you have to say? Who do you think I am? Whom do you say that I am? And then it is Simon Peter. Notice the scripture says Simon Peter. Why? Because it is the author Luke writing this story. He knows Simon as Peter, even though his name was not Peter at this particular time. He says Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Called him by his name, for flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, thou art Peter. Somebody say name change. 
this is when his name changed right here he says thou art Peter and the Greek word for Peter is Petros which means stone or rock so the scripture says and I say unto thee thou art Peter this stone or rock and he says and upon this rock I will build my church now Jesus is not speaking of building his church upon Peter but upon rock upon the rock that is Christ Jesus upon the revelation that Jesus is the Christ it was the revelation that Peter gave and then he goes on to say and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it it shall not prevail against Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to speak to Peter and says, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So now we see where Jesus gives Peter keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys are for access. So Peter has now been given symbolically kingdom keys. Well, let's see why and how these keys were used and where they were used that and why Jesus gave Peter the keys and the importance of this and where we see in scripture where Peter was able to utilize these keys and how it gave them access. Because the scripture lets us know that everywhere the Holy Ghost was poured out, Peter was there. So when Jesus gave Peter the keys or access to the kingdom because we need the Holy Ghost. We need the gift of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to dwell down on the inside of us. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that it helps us, it corrects us, it guides us, it leads us, it helps us in all of our ways throughout life. It helps us to gain access into the kingdom of God so that the things I used to do, I don't do those things no more. See, without the Holy Spirit, those things I used to do, I still have pleasure in them but when I received the Holy Spirit when Jesus Christ came into my life the things I used to do all of a sudden I'm thinking I don't want to do that anymore or if I do those things I have conviction saying I've got to lay that down do I have a witness in here do I have a witness in here I'm telling you the things that you used to do all of a sudden you don't want to do those things anymore it's not because of you it's because of the Holy Spirit Amen. So let's find here where Peter was there every time the Holy Ghost fell out. Acts chapter number two, starting at verse number 14. Remember, Peter has the keys. The Bible says, Acts 2, 14. But Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice. So Peter is speaking. And said unto them, ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Then we drop down to verse number 38. As Peter is preaching and speaking the words, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say Peter's got the keys. So now we see where the Jews are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost where it's poured out for the first time to an abundance of people here on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number two and who's present? Peter is. So now if we go to Acts chapter number eight, we find here in verse number 14, it says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria and Samaria were ancient Greeks. They were ancient Greeks. So now we see where the Greeks 
are about to receive the Holy Ghost. It says here, heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent unto who? They sent unto Peter. They sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they had, excuse me, when they were come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. They hadn't received the Holy Ghost yet. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So in verse number 17, then lay they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. So now we see the Jews have received the Holy Ghost. Who was there? Peter. Now the Greeks have received the Holy Ghost. Who was there? Peter. So now we will find when the Gentiles first received the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter number 10, the Bible says in verse number 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So this was a Gentile man. The Bible says he's a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him Cornelius and when he looked on him he was afraid and said what is it Lord and he said unto him I've heard your prayers I've received your alms they've come up as a memorial before God and now this is what I want you to do I don't want you to listen to what I have to say I want you to go get Peter I want you to go get Peter. Now, this is interesting because why couldn't the angel of the Lord just tell him what to do? Why? Because God wants to use people like me and you. Tell your neighbor God wants to use you. See, God wants to use you. He wants to use people. He receives glory when you and I are used. He receives glory when you and I choose to open up our mouth and speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because simply that angel could have told him everything he needed to know. But the angel said, I want you to go get Peter. Why go get Peter? Because Peter's got the keys. <laughs> Peter's got the keys. Jesus gave Peter the keys. So he knows what you need to do. So then the scripture lets us know in verse number 34, it says, then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of person, but in every nation, he that feareth him and walketh right and worketh righteousness is accepted with him because Peter has now seen the Jews. He has now seen Greeks and now he is a part of the Gentiles all receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost because in verse number 44, look at what it says. And while Peter yet spake the words that he was saying, which was simply the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word so that's why Peter said in Acts chapter 2 verse number 39 he says for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as our Lord God shall call Peter was a part of every single nation receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost why because he was given the keys and now he opened the door for people like you and I to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The second disciple I want to highlight is Judas. In verse number 16 of Luke chapter number 6, not Judas, the brother of James, 
but Judas Iscariot, which the Bible says he was also the traitor. What's interesting to me is, is that why would Jesus choose this individual? Because the Bible says that the Lord knows everything from the end, from the beginning. The Bible actually declares this in Isaiah chapter 46, verse number 10. The scripture says, declaring the end from the beginning. Jesus knows all things, how things start, how things are going to end. He knows from the end, from the beginning. So why would he choose someone that was going to betray him? Why would he choose someone that was going to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver that has a value of today of less than $500? Why would he choose someone that was going to turn his back on him? Let me answer that today because Jesus is always looking to give people like you and I a second chance. He's always giving people like you and I an opportunity to make the right choice. Can I talk about this for a moment? Because this is important for us to understand. Remember, Jesus prayed who he was going to choose. And Judas Iscariot, the one that was going to betray him, Jesus chose him. And what's interesting is, is that many of us here today feel like, why have we been chosen? Why are we even here today? Knowing that there has been times in our life, maybe even recently, that we have betrayed Jesus Christ. There are some of us here today that feel like we are not worthy to be where we are. Let me help you. We're not worthy to be where we are. We are not worthy to be in the place that we are in. But yet Jesus still chooses you and I. What's amazing is and why I can just take a step back and begin to think about where I am today. I begin to think I don't deserve to be where I am today. I don't deserve to have this microphone in my hand preaching to a group of wonderful individuals like you. But it's not about what I deserve and I'm thankful for that. But I'm thankful that Jesus looks beyond my faults and he sees my need someone needs to understand here today that Jesus loves you so much that he has given you another opportunity today to make things right every day Judas Iscariot was walking with Jesus was talking with Jesus was getting to know who Jesus was he had the opportunity to make things right no doubt when the enemy was trying to get him to betray him when the enemy was trying to get him to turn his back on him Jesus was still loving him oh I'll come the priest today Jesus was still talking with him Jesus was still breaking bread with him Jesus was still praying over him Jesus was still caring about him somebody needs to understand that here this morning that Jesus despite what you've done despite where you've been Jesus is still caring about you Jesus is still praying over you Jesus is still loving you Jesus still has his arms wide open saying I've come to take care of you because somebody here today needs to understand despite where you are despite what you're going through despite what you even did yesterday Jesus is saying I'm here with open arms I'm here to care about you I'm here to love you let's clap our hands unto the Lord 
And so before I move on in the book of Luke, I want to make one thing very clear, and that is you can make the right choice today. You don't have to make the choice that Judas Iscariot made. He made the wrong choice, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But you are in the right place at the right time. So while you're in the right place at the right time, make the right choice. You don't have to walk out of here doing the same thing that you did yesterday thinking the same way that you thought yesterday but I've come to the house of the Lord because I know that he cares for me I know that he loves me and if you don't know what I'm here to tell you God cares about you he loves you why would he choose someone that was going to turn his back and some of us here today have promised the Lord I will never do that again I'll never say that again I'll never go to that place again I'll never talk that way again but yet you find yourself walking right back into the same place you find yourself talking the same way doing the same things but Jesus is still standing here saying I still love you I still care about you I still want you to make the right choice I still want you to come on in because I care that much for you it amazes me how Jesus could choose Judas Iscariot. Out of all the ones he chose and all the people that he had an opportunity to choose, why choose this one when you know the end from the beginning? Why? Why would he choose someone that was going to cause chaos? Why would he choose someone that could potentially cause division? Why would he choose someone that could potentially mess up everything that Jesus was trying to do? Just think about this now. While Jesus is performing his miracles, while Jesus is taking the, the two fish and the five loaves of bread and doing all the miracles he's doing, just imagine one in a corner just waiting on something to go wrong. Just imagine someone just waiting in a corner, waiting on that slip up waiting on that mess up waiting for that one wrong thing he can say aha I knew it the entire time why would he choose someone like this well I'm here to tell you why would he choose someone like you and I who, 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 who are we what, what have we done so perfect uh -huh. who, who made us goody two shoes if you will I'm sure there's a better thing I could have said there uh, but who, who made us so perfect who, who, who are we because we were once someone like Judas Iscariot we were once someone I wish I could move on but I, I, I want to stay here just for a moment uh, who, who are we? we we were once someone that did not deserve what we have but I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you Jesus cares about you Jesus wants to see you change he loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay where you are but he wants you to move forward he wants you to be successful he wants you to make the right choice he wants someone here today to do the right thing Ah, because I'm here to tell someone here today, make the right choice today. Make the right choice today. 
because we don't know if we have another opportunity. So we need to make the right choice today. So if there's anything we need to lay down, lay it down today. If there's anything you need to pick up, pick it up today. If there's anyone that needs to be baptized, make that decision today. If there's anyone that needs the Holy Ghost, make that decision today. If there's anyone that needs a change in your life, you're in the right place at the right time. Because I'm here to tell you that Jesus is in this house. And when you're in the presence of Jesus, at any moment you can make a change. I'm telling you, some of you are feeling something right now knowing that you need to make a change in your life. But I'm telling you that something is not me but it's Jesus it's not the person you're sitting next to it's Jesus and when you feel his spirit that is the moment to make a move that is the moment to make a step I wish I had a witness right now here in the house because out of everything I've taught today this is the most important thing that I can say at this moment because in this moment somebody needs to make the right choice to make the right decision to make a change you know how hard it is to change some people have a difficult time making a change but if God has ever changed your life you ought to stand to your feet clap your hands and worship the Lord because that's what he's able to do hallelujah hallelujah please be seated now you need to understand that those of you that stood you need to know that if God has made a change in your life before you must believe that he can also make another change in your life because God never stops helping people change I'm telling you just because you made a change last week doesn't mean we don't need to make a change this week because the closer you walk and draw to Jesus Christ the more you realize I need a change I'm sorry but he's God and he changes not he doesn't need to change he's perfect in all of his ways the people that need to change is you and I and the closer I get to Jesus the more I realize I've got to change the more I draw closer to him the more I'm connected to him I realize I need to change it's me that needs to change because oftentimes I want God to change I like what I'm doing so Lord can can you can you meet me halfway here we can be some great negotiators if you want to learn how to negotiate I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old they're excellent excellent negotiators my two-year-old is starting to put words together now dangerous dangerous her new favorite word if you just have a conversation with her for at least three minutes she will say it she will say idea that's her new favorite word now if she doesn't like something or I tell her no she'll stand there with this puppy dog sad face she'll say idea daddy what's your idea baby and everything else I don't understand (laughs) no baby idea and she would keep saying idea until I say just go ahead and I don't even know what I agreed to (laughs) anybody know what I'm talking about I I don't even know what I just agreed to but she's going to stay there and keep saying idea until I say yes idea 
And that's what she does. She puts her finger, idea, daddy, idea. Just go. And then she comes back with a popsicle or something. <laughs> we can be some good negotiators. Lord, come on, Lord. I need you. I can almost hear the Lord saying, I need you. Because I want you. I love you. I care about you. I, I want to deliver you, but why are you still staying where you are? I've already come and removed the chains. I removed the shackles. I removed the bondage. I even moved the mountain. So why are you still staying where you are? But you're asking me to pull you out. No. See, <laughs> when Peter was in prison, some of you may remember this story. Peter was in prison. All right. King Harold was intending to kill Peter. So he was in prison to die. All right. He had already killed James. Now he's getting ready to take out Peter. Bible says that prayer was being made. Thank the Lord for prayer. The Bible says prayer was being made. We're going to get back to Luke uh, next Sunday. <laughs> prayer was being made. All right? And while prayer is being made without ceasing unto the Lord, God sends an angel down to deliver Peter. And the angel's job was to remove the shackles that was holding Peter down. That was his job. Remove the shackles. But then he had a tap on Peter. Peter, sweet. He's better than me. I've been there wide awake looking. <laughs> I'm in prison. I'm, I may not sleep for about a week. He's, he's Peter, sleep. Angel hit him on the leg. Said, get up. It was Peter's job to walk out. Because he could have removed every shackle. He could have removed every chain. But if he never would have walked out, he would have remained in prison. I hope you hear me, church. We're asking the Lord to draw us out. God said, I've already removed it. I'm waiting on you to walk out. You, you, you've got to move. You've got to do something here. You expected me to do everything for you. Because if I do everything, where is your faith? Uh-huh. It takes some faith on our part. That's why the scripture says faith without works is dead. It takes some faith on our part to move. That once God sends the deliverance, once we've been freed of our mind, we move. And we act upon the faith that we believe in. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. It takes belief. He must believe that he's able to do it. He must believe who he is. Then the Bible says, and he's a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. So I believe in you, God. I know that you're able to do it. I know that you're able to deliver. Jesus says, I've delivered you. Now come after me. And I will reward your diligent seeking. I'll reward you. 
See, your reward is not when the chains fall off. Can I preach to you? Your reward is not when the mountains being moved. Your reward is not when the bands are being broken. See, some of us think that's the reward. That's not the reward. Your reward is not when things seem to be coming together. No, your reward is when you start moving. <laughs> that's the reward. He says he's a rewarder to them that diligently seek him, diligently go after him. Your reward is when you move because your reward is now I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was there, but now God is moving me. That's the reward. So don't get confused in your reward. And what the Lord wants to do with you. And how he wants to do it in your life. Because no matter where you are, hallelujah, no matter what you're dealing with here today, no matter if you can sit here and say, I've betrayed Jesus. I know I've done wrong. But Jesus still chose Judas. He still chose him. Still gave him an opportunity to do us right. So I want to come and help somebody here today. It's not too late. And I'm telling you right now that God is able to do anything for you. Uh, you. You may feel like I don't deserve it. You may feel like I don't know if he can. I don't know if he will. I, I just don't know right now. I'm telling you that God is able to do anything and nothing's too hard for him. Nothing's too hard for him. But you and I have to make the choice to move to our deliverance. The Bible says that when Jesus, when the Lord brought out the Jews from Egypt, listen to me now, they were in bondage. They cried for a deliverer. The Lord sent them Moses, again, using a man, sent them Moses to deliver them. They had to walk out in order to be delivered. So they walked out so that they can be delivered. But can I take it a step further? As you're walking out and as you're walking into your deliverance, now you must ask the Lord to help to be delivered in your mind. Because I can be taking steps into my deliverance and end up like Lot's wife. The Bible says that Lot's wife turned when the Lord said, do not look back because her mind wasn't delivered yet. Her mind was still in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so even though she's walking in deliverance, she looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. So some of us here today need to be delivered in our mind. Because God has removed the shackles. He's removed the chains. I, I, I sure hope this is okay. I'm talking to you right now uh, because I'm trying to help some people. Uh, I know I've got a little off, but I believe I'm still in the book here. I, I'm, I'm still in the book. I, I, I want to help some people here today because, see, here, here, here's the thing. Here's where I'm at in my spirit. See, we can hoop, holler, dance, yell, scream, good, and, and I love doing all that stuff. I, I, I love it because if I can yell at a football game, a basketball game, I can yell for Jesus. But, 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 but here's the one thing. See, see, after I yell and hoop and run and shout and do all that, I've got to have understanding on how to live. 
I, I, I've got to know what to do. I've got to know how to respond. I need to be educated. Uh-huh. The Bible says that his people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Now, that's an interesting scripture. Boy, I, I, he said I'm de they're destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. You don't know what to play for altar call now, do you? I, I'm all over the place. So they're destroyed because of lack of knowledge. It's because they don't have an understanding of what to do. They don't have an understanding when to do it. See, when you come up against obstacles, when the enemy is trying to fight you, you got to know what to do. You got to know how to respond because every day you're not going to be surrounded by a group of believers because someday, maybe even tomorrow, you may be all by yourself. And you've got to know what to do when the enemy is attacking your mind, when he's attacking your family, when he's attacking your loved ones. And you can't pick up the phone fast enough to call me. You got to know how to pray. You got to know what to say. You got to know how to call on the name of Jesus Christ and know that he's able to deliver you. Hallelujah. But if you don't have the knowledge to do those things, you will fall into a trap. The Bible says the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. That is his purpose. To steal, kill, and to, Sister Jess says, is this okay? I'm going to get you out of here. I know, I know you're looking at that. We're looking at the time. I'm going to get you out of here. The thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. That's his purpose. Try to take you out. But Jesus said, I've come. I love that the scripture doesn't end there. There's not a period there. It doesn't stop. Because Jesus always has a response. He always has a response. That's what he came to do, but I'm here now. <laughs> That's what he's trying to do, but I'm here now. I've come that you might have life. And not just any type of life, abundant life. A life that you can enjoy. Oh, I need a witness right now. A life that you can love. A life of peace. A life of happiness. A life when you can wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Not a life when you just want to go right back to bed, but a life to say, I've come to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. A life where you don't have to be looking over your shoulder. A life where you don't have to worry about walking out your front door and something happening. A life of peace. A life when you know you're surrounded by Jesus Christ. A life of protection. You can be a single woman in here. You can be a widow, but you know that Jesus is with you. Oh, there's something about protection, I'll tell you. When I'm not home, my wife said, did you set the alarm? <laughs> she wants that protection. She wants to feel secure. Yeah. But when you have a life with Jesus Christ... Bible says he will never leave you he'll never forsake you so I'm here to tell you no matter if you've betrayed Jesus or not if you've done things wrong like Judas Iscariot was going to do Jesus wants you he wants you and he wants to choose you so I want to go back to a statement I made earlier make the right choice today let's stand to our feet come on let's stand to our feet